Hello, Roy here. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to The Roy Green Show ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. It's always uh, an honor and a pleasure for me to speak to our next guest, who's the executive editor at Blacklock's Reporter. You'll find them on Twitter, at Minding Ottawa. Tom Korski is with us, and Tom, you still uh, you, you have so many great stories. One of the first things I do every day is check to see what you're up to. That's very gracious to say. Thank you, Roy. There's, well, there's no really, if you're looking for waste and mediocrity, I mean, this is the gold mine, right? <laughs> Parliament Hill. Isn't it, though? Isn't it, though? Oh, my goodness. So well said. Gold mine to mediocrity. Sounds like a, sounds like a great bumper sticker. Um, when you talk about uh, government, let's just get at this one that you uh, found out. And with all of the talk about the need to be vaccinated, and if you're not vaccinated, according to mandates provided or delivered by provinces or health authorities, and we're seeing it happen in Quebec and in Ontario, in Alberta, in British Columbia, where 4,000 uh, health care workers have been placed on salary-less leave, and we're going to be talking about that in the next hour. We do. You did find out at Blacklocks that if you're a member of the cabinet or if you're appointed to judgeship by the cabinet, ultimately by the prime minister, you don't have any such vaccination mandate, do you? It's a funny thing about the mandate. It's not really mandatory. There's numerous exemptions, and it appears to be depending on who you are and what you do, which makes you wonder what the point of the mandate is in the first place. It doesn't appear to be based on science. It appears to be public relations. I'm quite serious, Roy. We've seen no data that justifies this, especially in places like the federal public service, where vaccination rates in some agencies are already 95%. I mean, it exceeds the national average. It makes no sense. So indeed, the Privy Council office, this is the top agency of the entire federal public service, a third of a million people, says, if you're a federally appointed judge, yeah, don't worry about it. You don't have to show your papers. Of course. Of course not. And no one's going to fire a federal judge because they refuse to show their medical history. And this will now... Uh, filter down into extension and delays for other federally appointed commissioners, uh, arbitrators, adjudicators on tribunals. It really depends on who you are, who you know, and what you do. So not science, right? It's something else, isn't it? No, nothing changes. Nothing changes. Nothing exactly. changes. No, nothing changes. Uh, I really like the story. This goes back to uh, late last week. No more debate about climate change podcast. Canada's new environment minister, Monsieur Gilles Beau, and, quote, all the like-minded people flying to hashtag Glasgow COP26, flying, so damn the emissions. And it, there's, it, somebody, once, I, I, somebody once said to me, it's deliciously ironic, and I've never forgotten. I think that's very clever, putting those two words together, deliciously ironic. <laughs> I think this, this certainly qualifies, doesn't it? It's funny, uh Minister Kivo, you know, he upsets a lot of people because he has an interesting biography that is upsetting. If you're in the oil, gas, or mining industry, it's, it's a, a spectacle to think that this man is now going to license your industry. But to his credit, um, unlike his predecessors, Steve Gibo, we've looked it up, he's never gone to a public transit announcement with a car and chauffeur, which one of his predecessors did, Kathy McKenna, without irony. Uh, so there's that. You know, he was the really the headline appointment in the reshuffled cabinet. 
He's been taken into custody twice, as you know, Roy, That's by the police yeah. uh, in his Greenpeace activist days. The first time was the most interesting one for us. That was in Edmonton and, uh, 21 years ago. He was, uh, he was not a high school student. He was in his 30s. And he uh, and his uh, Greenpeace friends chained themselves to a piece of oil field equipment on a tractor trailer just north of Edmonton. The police had to come up. We see in the police reports... Steve Gibo is nothing if not dedicated. He bought, uh, he brought a sleeping bag and some food and water and some adult diapers, according to the police report, because they were going to be up there. This was in March, north central Alberta, a, a brisk north wind. And Steve was up there on this top of, uh, atop this uh, refinery equipment for 10 hours until they brought him down. Who would have thought, <laughs> 21 years later, this would be the man you would face across the table if you're going to license a coal mine or an oil and gas project in Canada. Yeah. And, and there we are, right? And there we are. And he believes that uh, the industry should know that he can be quite objective. So we'll see. We'll see what happens. <laughs> now, what, let's stay with the energy issue. And I like to this story. Canada's largest clean energy utility pays cash to plant friendly messages in what used to be known as Facebook, tweets and letters to the editor. What's the story here, Tom? Uh, this is uh, Hydro-Quebec Public Utility, and they, uh, we see in documentation, we're getting some grief from environmental groups and an indigenous group, the Inu of Labrador, over a project, multi-billion dollar project, to sell uh, electricity by underwater cable from Quebec down to New York City. It goes through fish habitat. It uh, goes through uh, habitat of endangered Atlantic sturgeon. And Inu say you've really damaged, you've spoiled our ancestral lands to build your dams, your spillways, to sell power to New York environmentalists. So there's a lot of conflicts and irony here, uh, a lot of green versus green. But <laughs> Hydro-Quebec, God bless them, they decided to solve the problem. They got their Washington lobbyists to hire a subcontractor to arrange letters to the editor, uh, Facebook posts, uh, tweets, praising the environmental record of Hydro-Quebec. It's funny, only oil and gas companies are supposed to do that, right? And in fact, we have found instances in the past when they did that, and people were shocked. Oh, big oil. I mean, it's just, of course. you know, they smoke cigars there, they drive Cadillacs. But you're not, <laughs> the, people draw a distinction between huge fossil fuel corporations, and huge renewable energy corporations. Completely different, right? They're completely different. Tom, having recently lived in Quebec for nine years, this does not surprise me. Of course. One bit. It really, it really, when I looked at it, I said, oh, yeah, business as usual. One monopoly is quite like another, isn't it? <laughs> well, let's talk about another monopoly that receives more than a billion dollars a year in taxpayers' funding, and it's the Canadian Broadcasting Corporation. And they used a line in one of their stories, and I love the way you reported it in Blacklocks. This is small and cheap. Here's the quote. Radio Canada has learned and obtained by Radio Canada. And please finish the story for us, Tom. It's, it's, it, it's interesting. Uh, it's a little bit inside baseball, but this is a Canadian quality. It's especially an Ottawa quality. It's really one of the more tiresome aspects of living in Ottawa. So uh, the CBC, they got a... It was a pretty good story, Roy. They got some internal uh, guidance, an internal government memo. 
that pointed out all the exemptions there are under these vaccine mandates that we just discussed for federal judges and such. Numerous loopholes, and it's really up to managers. They don't want to fire, and everyone knows. No one in Ottawa gets fired. It was a a hell of a story, uh, Roy. And as as we like to say, it was an even better story two weeks previously when we had that. When you had it. Same memo. This is a quality um, that I think even people who don't work in newsrooms can appreciate. Everyone went to school with somebody like this. Yep. And that's a really Ottawa quality. You don't find this in media in Paris or London, New York, or Moscow. It really speaks to that mediocrity and incompetence that is the hallmark of Ottawa in so many uh, ways. So I have a little story that I can share with you that I haven't talked about. I may, may have mentioned it once on the air. So a number of years ago, I started the pursuit of an individual, an American, who was a draft evader, who had run over and killed a seven-year-old boy in Hamilton. And he had fled back to the United States with his family. The charge, criminal negligence causing death, was non-extraditable at the time. And I had a voicemail, and this was 19 years later, voicemail telling me, just simply said, the charge is now extraditable. Do you remember Joey Bellamy? That was the name of the little boy. So we began the pursuit of Joey Bellamy, which of, uh, of, uh, of Thomas Martin, that was this guy's name. He was eventually discovered and arrested by U.S. Marshals. He was uh, put in prison in a federal institution in Atlanta, kept there, fought extradition to Canada for a year, until the Seventh Circuit Court of Appeal ruled he was extraditable. The next step was the U.S. Supreme Court, and Martin knew he would not have a chance there, so he agreed to be extradited, extradited to Canada. When I started this story, nobody cared. I asked various media people if they'd get engaged and help me out, and nobody wanted to. Said, oh, it's 19 years ago. It's, uh, it's a cold case. You'll never, you'll, never, you'll never find him. So um, the Hamilton Spectator, at, uh, at some point in the, uh, in the pursuit, uh, became engaged and certainly played a role. So at this point, Tom, everybody in media is asking, what's to do interviews? How did you start this? How did you find this individual? What happened? And I won't go through all of that except to say that in this very studio that I'm sitting in now, the CBC, the National, brought in their, uh, one of their crews and one of their senior reporters. And we recorded an interview. And they went on for about 45 minutes. And you and I both know when you do 45 minutes of an interview, about 20 seconds of it gets on the air. Fair enough. No problem. We finish the interview. I go sit in my office to get back to work. The phone rings. And it's CBC. But it's CBC Newsnet, so it's the cable version, a news version. And they had just recently begun, and they said, we would like to do an interview with you, Mr. Green, on the story of your pursuit of and the capture of Thomas Martin, who's coming back to Canada to face trial. And I said, I just finished an interview with one of your guys from The National. Why don't you grab the film there? Oh, no. No, we can't do that. Why not? Well, they won't share it with us. Now, remember... They're subsidized by the Canadian taxpayer. They won't share it with us. Besides, they go on at 9 o'clock, and we want to beat them to it, so we want you on the air at 7. And, Mr. Green, we'll send a limo to Hamilton to pick you up and chauffeur you to Toronto for the interview, after which we'll arrange for you to overnight at the Royal York Hotel, dinner on us, breakfast on us, and then we'll limo you back to (laughs) Hamilton in the morning. And I thought, I work in private industry. This is insane. 
So eventually what happened was I ended up driving in by myself, but they insisted in paying me. They, they had to. Their policy was that they had to pay me, Tom. They had to pay me something. So I, I took whatever they gave and I, I gave it to charity. But it was the whole idea of being publicly funded and playing this game of beating themselves at, at getting at a story they already had. And the money didn't matter. This is why there's a campaign to defund that network. It really dates from a, the single-channel universe, uh, Roy, when there was uh, th- there really was a lack of choice. We don't have that problem anymore. I have to tell you, that's a, uh, absolutely that's a, a, a chilling story. You think, what, why would a family have to go through that? It's interesting, though. We, we adopt the Roy Green attitude. I've, I've done this for 40 years, Roy. We'll talk to anybody. Everybody gets 15 minutes. You walk into our newsroom, you call, you email. We will give everybody 15 minutes. And 99 times out of 100, it's someone who has a, you know, just wants to talk or a petty grievance or whatever. Right. There's one in the 100 that you just described. And you say this was a, a absolutely shocking abuse of whether it was judicial process, fair play, whatever. Uh, it's you got to like people if you're in this business, Roy. It's not about limos and subsidies and self-promotion, is it? You really no, have isn't. to like people. You do. And that was I still have no idea, Tom, who left that voicemail. It was just a voicemail, a man's voice, saying, remember Joey Bellany, Gosh. the charge is now extraditable. So, so I went to the, our company president, and I said, I want to pursue this. And he said to me, Don Luzzi, who will always be a hero to me, he said, uh, go for it. Whatever you need, you have. So, but it was also, it was just that mention, you know, we mentioned the CBC. They opened the checkbook just to beat themselves to a story they already had. It's, it's bizarre. Tom, well, please. Money, yeah, money doesn't make you good. Right? It, it just, doesn't. It just makes you expensive. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. Which isn't necessarily bad. <laughs> Tom, $53,000 plus um, survey, a poll for how many people? And about what? This was interesting. This was 32 people. This was by the uh, Department of Finance. I think that's the poll you're referring to. Yes. And uh, we we read polls. These are the only polls we read, Roy, because these are the ones that Cabinet reads. In this case, the Department of Finance did a focus group of 32 people, and they they asked, "How how, how are we doing? How is the Minister Freeland doing? They had people watch your budget speech last April 19th and respond emotively. What was interesting was the old-timers. It's always the seniors had a problem. <laughs> because, as, one, as my senior friends say, because they've seen it all 17 times. <laughs> in this case, it was the seniors who said in their responsive emotional polling reaction to Minister Freeland, it's like they have a money tree. It's like, <laughs> <laughs> it's like they have a money tree, and they just reach down and they pull down the money, and they never explain the, where the money comes from or where it goes or what. It's always the seniors, right? Yeah, the, the, the seniors have seen it so many times, and the younger people, the younger generations, to them, it's brand new. And uh, so, and, and I'm in the senior ranks, and so we say, seen it before, heard it before, done it before, not new. But it is expensive, $53,445 to ask 32 people what they thought of the budget. It's fun what we do, isn't it, Tom? <laughs> if that tree ever dies, Roy, it's so never, help me. We're in real trouble. <laughs> <laughs> it's never been work. It's never 
being work, and that's just a just such a wonderful experience. I'll just fill in a little bit more on that other story. We found out the name of the individual, Thomas Martin. He was a pharmacist. He was from Kentucky, and I looked around in the town that he was from, and there was a Martin Pharmacy. So I called. Man answers the phone. I said, "Is this Thomas Martin?" He said, "Who wants to know?" So I said, "My name is Roy Green. I'm a broadcaster in Canada. I'm looking for Thomas Martin, who's wanted in the." Uh, in the hit-and-run death of a seven-year-old boy 19 years ago. And he said, there's no Thomas Martin practicing pharmacology in the state of Kentucky. And I said, how do you know? And he hung up. And you know what follows after that. You know you're on the trail right then. Unbelievable, right? Yeah. If you want to hear more, subscribe to The Roy Green Show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you find your favorites. And if you like what you hear, leave us a review and tell a friend. I'm Roy Green. Have a great weekend.